With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast of The Michael Graham Show is brought to you by Matt Hermes. If you have a high-end home and you're looking to sell, call Matt at Keller Williams Realty. Matt Hermes specializes in luxury homes in areas like Hamilton Mill, Sugarloaf, Chateau Elan, and more. For more information, visit atlantahomesguru.com forward slash radio. officers on the scene and 11 of them performed according to their training they did an excellent job we're setting the stage for a terrorist attack in this country and the group is not going to be isis it's going to be us i really appreciate the trooper showing some restraint and is he's a really true hero i'm, I'm glad he didn't kill him Six members of the Parkview High School baseball team are being investigated on hazing allegations. It stems from what happened while the team was in Charleston last weekend for a tournament. This is the Michael Graham Show on News Radio 1067. If he's elected president, unmarried Senator Lindsey Graham said, quote, we'll have a rotating first lady. When asked for comment, Bill Clinton said, been there, done that. <laughs> Nine oh four at News Radio one oh six seven. I am Michael Graham, your host, MC, star of the show, renowned spoiler of women, known enemy of the jihad, the geekiest white guy east of the Mississippi River. Thrilled, delighted, honored, and quite frankly stunned that you've let me join you today in your car, at work, at home, wherever you are. Here on News Radio one oh six seven. You know the phone number eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven. Or you can reach me via email, michael at michaelgram.com, if you uh, hear something you want to take issue with. Hey, Brandon, our executive producer, uh, you're a sports guy. You played uh, sports up in Gwinnett County, right? Yes, lovely Collinsville uh, High you School. Were, uh, and uh, your, what was your specialty? I played baseball. Baseball? I played baseball. Uh, what position? I was middle infield. Second base short. Oh, okay. I, I, so that was back and forth. I was, yeah. Then sticks. I wasn't good enough couldn't to pick be a base. <laughs> not a, not a problem. one. You see. By the way, last night, the Braves game was a ton of fun to watch. It really was. Uh, the two pl- calls at the plate. Very were, exciting. It was great. And, I mean, uh, and uh, uh, Simmons, he, had, he wasn't even trying to slide. It was, a, it was a poorly executed WWE move right into the side of the catcher. Funny fact, worked. the guy who hit the, what turned out to be the game winner, Joe Todosovich, mm-hmm. hates my guts. Really? Yes. Why? Uh, spring training three years ago, we mm-hmm. went to go hang out with some of the players. Right. We saw his last name, and we were like, hey, Todosovich, <laughs> can we buy a vowel? <laughs> he didn't find that funny. Oh, come on, lighten up. But anyway, it was a lot of fun watching the game. Uh, last night watching the best. And by the way, because the Braves scored six runs and it was two for Tuesday, you get uh, $12 off your full-service oil change from Express Oil Change and Service Center. Um, how do you get to be an elite athlete like that to be able to play in the majors? You got to work hard. You got to... You got to be tough. You gotta, yeah, you got to live the struggle. Wouldn't it be great to be part up. of a championship high school baseball team? Wouldn't that put you on the radar that, to possibly you know, go? You know, we just, get, the Braves just picked... 
They're five. They had five out of the first seventy-five picks in the major league draft this you year. Know, and those kids are tough. Tough kids. Let's go. Uh, so, uh, and then you maybe go to college after that, where you play with a lot of kids who are very competitive, very, very tough, and then you make it to the majors so that Angleton Simmons can <laughs> stab you. you in the in the side <laughs> with his knee because you're tough, right? You, you, you're a tough kid. So can you explain to me what the heck this story is all about? Six members of the Parkview High School baseball team are being investigated on hazing allegations. It stems from what happened while the team was in Charleston last weekend for a tournament. The Gwinnett County School District says on Friday night, all six, all upperclassmen, entered hotel rooms of incoming freshman players and began to wrestle with the younger students. The school district says one of the freshmen claims there was inappropriate physical Contact. They just told me like there was a bunch of like fresh and overreacting about like just like a simple like touch in the back or something like that. Whatever it is, I really hope this school takes it seriously and not only sends a message to that team but to all athletics in general. Just that that behavior is completely inappropriate. Now, Brandon, this is what scares me is, and thanks to our Fox Five partners for that audio, is that they may send yet again the message: please wimp out your kids as much as possible. Really wrestling. That's the hazing is you got wrestled by the upperclassmen. Uh, as a guy who's played a lot of sports, can you put this in context for us? If that is counted as hazing, what happened to me when I was a freshman <laughs> probably should be federal crime. Get Mo. Get Mo. Was and what, what we to did to freshmen probably should have been federal crime. I want to be very clear on this because I don't want people to, you know, misunderstand my point at 844-404-1067. I'm not just saying that these kids shouldn't be in trouble for wrestling the freshman, assuming that this is the story. I mean, if we find out later that there was something else involved, you know, molestation, whatever, obviously. But assuming the facts are as we know them, not only should the kids not be in trouble, but I support what they did. I am pro-hazing. And if you want your kids to be better human beings in the future, if you want them to be likely to be more successful, not just at sports, but at life, you will be pro-hazing, too. And I'm wondering now, at 844-404-1067, if Georgians, I'll tell you, in Massachusetts, they won't let you, if you, that you can, no joke, you can get in trouble on a sports team for simply treating one player differently from another. Like, if a player complains, the other kids don't talk to me and they don't hang out with me, you'll get in trouble for not socializing with a teammate. That's how... The J.J. is they've gotten in Massachusetts. Is Georgia behind them? Seriously, have we decided now to totally drop the testicles on the ground and uh, climb on the Caitlin Express when it comes to to sports? God forbid that one of those kids hit, hits a home run and they get a little tap on the butt. Oh, no, no, no. No slapping you on the butt after a good play. <laughs> hey, Absolutely good, not. No, no, hit. no. I just, I, just, I, just I, I don't understand. What is it you think you're accomplishing by saying, oh, my gosh, whatever you do, don't you lay a hand on another kid. You're freaking playing sports. People are laying hands on you all the time. They're, they're, they're tagging you with the baseball. They're tackling you on the field. They're fouling you in basketball. What do you think this involves? I had a coach at a camp one mm -hmm. time, and during the orientation, the first night there, made it clear, you guys are going to do dumb things. If you're one of the new kids, the right. rookies, and we were kids from all over the U.S., you can go and complain about it, but then I can't let you play on my team. Because Excellent. If you're going to complain about it, I have to take you off right. the team. Now we we obviously and nobody else is going to want you at that point. There's a line. Once again, it's like anything else. There's a line that you can cross. Yeah. Obviously, it's you know you can drive a car. You can drive a car fifty. You can drive a car hundred and fifty. One of those is okay. One of those is unless you're Brandon, probably not. Yeah. 
That's the world. So yes, obviously yes, I'm not yes. talking about actual, I'm not talking about broken bones and bloody noses and stuff. I'm just talking about going through a emotional gauntlet that requires you to suck it up a little bit, man or woman up, depending on your sport. If we kill hazing, this is just yet another step towards the let's give the country to Al-Qaeda now. Let's just get it over with because they're just going to take it. Because you know what you know what hazing is for Al-Qaeda? Putting the explosive vest on. That's hazing in Al-Qaeda. Hazing with Al-Qaeda involves an AK-47. And we're going to send kids out to fight them who one time they short-sheeted my bed at camp and I got that kid kicked out. So, 844-404-1067, here's what I think. I think that the kid who complained about the hazing should be kicked off the team immediately. And that should be the message to the other kids. If, you're doing, if this is your standard of toughness, we can't rely on you. You can't take this. You shouldn't be on the team. We don't want you. Someone should be punished in this case, the person who complained. That's my experience. That's what seems to make the most sense to me. That seems to be, in my opinion, the natural truth. Am I wrong? 844-404-1067, were you hazed for a sports team, for an academic program? I got hazed for the beta club, you know, the whatever. You got the, nerd hazed? I got nerd hazed, yeah. Can we share some kind of our best hazing stories later? <laughs> no, listen. I got, I got a ton of them. That's what we got phones at 844-404-1067. If you were hazed, was it a good thing or a bad thing? And if your son or daughter came to you and said, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. My teammates, they all gave me wedgies and then put me in the trash can, and I'm going to go tell the coach so that they'll get kicked off. Would you say to your son what this mother says on the on Fox 5, I'm glad you're punishing those brutal kids. Or would you be with me? I don't want you playing on that team if, you, if this is the standard. If my kid came to me and complained about this, I would tell my kid, why are you complaining? It's just hazing. Suck it up this year. Do it to the other kids next year. 844-404-1067. I'm Michael Graham. Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at noon on News Radio 1067. Assume the position. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Thank you, sir. May I have another? Thank you, sir. May I have another? It's 920. I am Michael Graham. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Coming up later, why Marco Rubio is having the best week of any Republican politician I can remember. Uh, And yes, that's because of the attacks from the New York Times. And also, how do you increase America's high school graduate rate, graduation rate to the highest in history? It's simple when you're spelling graduation, I-L-L-I-T-E-R-E-A. Anyway, it's all coming up. Right now, though, we're talking about this story where you have an incredibly successful local uh, high school baseball team, Parkview High, that's now, quote, in trouble and under investigation because of, quote, hazing. The incoming freshmen were wrestled while they were in Charleston, South Carolina. Now, I used to live in Charleston. Have you been to Charleston? Great city. Usually what happens in Charleston stays in Charleston. But someone came back and complained Uh, The coach was recently named National High School Coaches Association Baseball Coach of the Year. Uh, They're a wildly successful team. And the question is, or the the issue is, you know, is hazing a problem? Which I say, no, lack of hazing is a problem. If I could have an America with more hazing or less hazing today, I will take more. And I, I you know, 
See, here's here's the deal. We've been told you're not supposed to like that, Michael. Hazing is violence. Violence equals evil. Evil equals you might not like a gay person. And then you're like, well, okay. so you think your opinion is supposed to be, I agree with you, hazing is bad. No. We all, I say we all know. Most of us know that hazing, reasonable hazing, is not just not bad. It's a good thing. We just don't think we're allowed to say it. That's why we tell the natural truth at 844-404-1067. Did you go through hazing? for sports or some other group, the FFA, whatever? Was it a good thing or a bad thing? And do you agree with me that lack of hazing is just one more of the ingredients that we whip into as we bake up another generation of Generation Cupcake? Let's listen to the mom uh, of uh, one of the uh, players. We'll hear from her in a second after we talk to Shalina. Shalina, you're on the air with Michael Graham. Thank you so much for the call. So uh, should these people be in trouble for the hazing, Shalina? What do you think? It depends on the situation. At a certain level, the kids have to suck it up. It teaches them reality. In the real world, there's going to be people, no matter where you work, what job you have, that you don't like. And it teaches you how to handle things in situations where you're not exactly having fun. And it builds morale. And then they end up getting to be the one later on that gets to do the hazing. Now, there is a certain responsibility of the coach, I believe, to make sure that these older upperclassmen are aware of the rules and regulations of hazing and not take it too far. No psychological abuse, no physical or sexual abuse. And and just make sure that their team members know what they're doing and be and let the coach be a part of it. Know what's going on with your students. Know what they're planning on doing and tell them, no, that's not a good idea. I'm with you now. Did you ever get hazed for sports or anything when you were a kid? Um, we didn't have a whole lot of hazing. We were a very tight-knit group. We There were different events and um, banquets and things like that right. that the upperclassmen got to go to that had become a rite of passage as you got older to go to. But I have two small children myself, and it's going to be suck it up, buttercup, or get off the team. <laughs> Thanks for the great call at 844-404-1067. Uh, before we go to John, let's listen to one of the parents. Whatever it is, I really hope this school takes it seriously and not only sends a message to that team, but to all athletics in general, just that that behavior is completely inappropriate. You can just feel the testosterone oozing away. You can just see the uh the man cells dying let's go to john john you are on with michael graham hey mr graham i just want to say thanks for having me i'm a huge fan thanks go right ahead all right so i go to i go to college here in uh, the state of georgia and god forbid i say where that is because i'm sure it'll be investigated and all that kind of stuff because that's what happens to go on right now but <laughs> i'm in a fraternity down there and uh, i'm coming up wait wait, wait, wait. you're an you're an evil fraternity member a male at a college oh, yeah. Sexually frustrated. Oh my you God! Know. I just, I, I just hope we get to this phone call without you raping somebody. That's my only hope. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Well, anyways, um, yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you know how it works. Pretty much the whole first semester of your uh, fraternity before you actually get initiated, you're going to go through lots of hazing, pretty yep. much all the time, every single day. There's no, no way around it. And you know, we were all, me and all my uh, pledge brothers, we were all pretty worried about it. Uh, you know, just kind of like, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? We really didn't want to go through it. And then towards the end, and especially now, I'm really glad it happened. And I'm all, I'm 100% agree with you. I'm all for hazing, and I just, it's just taught me a lot of character. Well, let me um, ask you, just, John, what are some of the things that you had to go through? Because people, you know, have all kinds of ideas in their imagination. What are some of the specific things, if you can tell me, or, or maybe things you've heard about from other frats that people had to go through? All right, well, yeah, some other fraternities that I know, um, they've had to go through this lot of, uh, 
just like information memorization of the older brothers, and like you'll uh, you'll get called out and um, have to present that information right. in front of the chapter. And, and what uh, if you, you know, don't remember it? Or if you, what if you don't know what happens then? It's it's really nothing bad. It's 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 a small like small physical punishment. It's n- most of the time it's never anyone ever putting hands on you. It's it's just stuff. It's just like simple stuff, like just simple. Almost kind of like a little workout area. It's, it's really, it's really mental. Just gets in your head, and I mean, I've seen kids break down completely without even <laughs> being touched. And is it kind of drop and give me twenty kind of things, like push ups, stuff like that? Oh uh, it... yeah, in a way, yes, sir. And okay. I, I have, I have seen it go way farther than that, and a little too far sometimes, especially when alcohol is involved. But every single time it's gone too far, there's always been, you know, one or two guys that are immediately like, "Hey, man, like you need to chill," like that that's not cool and then it just goes back to the normal thing and i completely agree with you that it's helped helps build character and i mean the kids i've been through it with are my best friends now and i i'm really glad i had to go through it well john thanks for the call remember with alcohol you can never go too far just keep that lesson in mind we're going to get to the rest of the callers here at 844-404-1067 we're also going to add a new part to the story of this uh dumbing down whether it's physical dumbing down like banning hazing or whether it's mental dumbing down. Do you know about the Atlanta High School where the principal announced, everybody passes, you get an A, and you get an A, and you get an A. The scariest part of the story isn't what the principal did. It's the name of the high school. I will share that story from here in Atlanta in mere moments on News Radio 106.7. It's 935. I am Michael Graham. The show is called The Natural Truth. It's the way the world really works, whether we like it or not. And I can't explain why the process of tearing people down to build them up works. I just know that throughout human history, recorded human history, it has. That's why the military does it. You know why you have boot camp? You know why you have boot? Is because you're trying to... Find a new place inside your brain for this organization. This organization that when you show up the first day means really nothing to you in a personal sense. You know, I'm joining the army. I'm joining to serve, whatever. I'm joining a football team. I'm joining to play. And, but when you go through that process of shared hardship and initiation, when you share an experience together that other people don't get to, you, one of the reasons you're being hazed is to show that you're different, not just from the people you want to join, but you're different from the other 99% of the world who don't get to play on our team or who don't get to join the SEALs or who don't get to. And so you put all that together and it has a powerful emotional impact, gets people to commit. And if nothing else, if nothing else for these pathetic gen cupcakes that we have baked together, it's a little tablespoon of adversity in their diet. If nothing else. When you have a school system, I'm not making this up. Did you know that there are school systems that have banned teachers from grading papers with red pens because red is too negative? I, you think I'm kidding. You think that I'm just like, no, this is widespread across the entire country. No red pens. So they grade with like purple or green, affirming colors. And then when it's all over, you wonder why it is the case that a record number of young men 30 years old, have moved back in with their parents? Well, what do you expect them to do? Go out and do all the hard things you have to do to earn the money, to rent an apartment, to take care of their bills, to feed themselves? Why would you go through all that adversity? 
You know what that made me? You know what has happened now? What's happened is because we've created this bubble of nobody has to, you know, face any adversity. We've turned life into one long hazing session. The hazing starts when you leave. You got your you got your master's degree in useless whatever in you know uh, urban ebonic biology, and then you jump out in the workforce with one hundred forty thousand dollars in debt and no skills, and then the hazing starts. And the guy who's blowing past you in the job market is the guy who went through real hazing. And when you find out how dumb you can be and still graduate from high school in America, I think I think you're going to be surprised. Maybe not, however. But uh, first, back to the hazing conversation with David. David, you are on the air with Michael Graham. Drop and give me 20. Yeah, hey, Michael. I just wanted to comment on uh, your commentary. I agree with you 100%. Having been a student athlete at the University of South Carolina. Ah, go Cox. Yeah, there was all forms of it. It's initiation. It builds camaraderie. Mm -hmm. It builds a backbone, which, unfortunately, um, a lot of these kids – teenagers are failing to develop because of situations like that, whether it's high school athletics, joining a fraternity, um, college athletics. And so it forms a camaraderie, just like you said, between a team, between a brotherhood. So, David, uh, what did you have to do to uh, become a fighting game cock at the University of South Carolina? Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to say that on the radio, man, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you. It was uh, – it was – you must have we done something you can tell us about. I mean, did you have to do, like, drills, like running stuff, physical stuff like that? He did. I mean, it was, you know, you'd have to do running, but it was in the middle of the night. They'd come wake you up, stuff <laughs> like that. Just think about the guys who were, you know, rushing fraternities and stuff like that, Michael. Right. So, you know, it, it, it separates you from others, but it builds a close bond with those guys or gals if you play basketball right. or whatever that you don't forget about, you know, because those experiences you go through, I feel bad for part of you, I really do. And if those kids can't stand it, like the lady had commented before, hey, get in like you did. Get rid of that kid. Exactly. The problem is the kid who can't take it, that kid you're going to be relying on. I am nervous, though, about the number of you who are declining to share any specifics about the hazing. So, I mean, I'll tell you about the hazing that we had in Pillion High School in Lexington County, South Carolina, in just a second. First, we'll talk to Joel. Joel, you're on the air with Michael Graham. Hey, Michael, thanks. Yeah, I just want to say, you know, this has been going on for a long time because I was in the Army back in the early 90s, and um, in 93 I went to airborne school. And uh, around that time, some video got released that Oprah put out of hazing going on in the military. <laughs> and uh, there, was a, uh, there was a thing called getting your blood wings when you graduate airborne school. It's where they pound your wings into your chest. Yeah, I've heard about that. And um, – they, they weren't giving us our blood wings when we were graduating airborne school. So I specifically asked my uh, airborne instructor when he was putting my wings on my chest, I was like, can you please just give me my blood wings? Right. And what did he say? So he, he, he looked around and then pounded them into me. But, yeah, it was just crazy. That, that I mean, that stuff's been going on for so long, okay, and especially how, when it, goes, it gets into the military. Yeah, that's very scary in the military. You guys have got to be the point of the spear for the nice, soft, cushy, overweight life I get to live. So I need you to do that. But, Joel, let me – the blood wings thing, how long is the 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 – the pin part in the back that's going to go into your chest. What is it, like a quarter inch, half inch? Yeah, it's about a quarter inch. But, I mean, yeah. you're wearing the – back then we called them BDUs. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that uniform, I mean, it was pretty thick fabric. Yeah. So, like, only pretty much the the, pit, the top of the pins it's, go into your I'm chest. I'm just thinking about it. I mean, it's people, not even that deep. My wife, my, <laughs> yeah. wife, my wife has MS. She has to get a, uh, you know, a, a, a thing, infusion once a month where they stick a big old needle in her arm. 
I mean, sticking uh-huh. a needle. I mean, sticking a needle in someone's chest. That's not, you know what I'm saying? That's not like crazy torture, you know, Game of Thrones stuff. Yeah, it's exactly. A, it's a stick in the chest. I got stuck. People stick themselves with safety pins and stuff all the time. I stick myself when I'm trying to put the tie pin on. You know what I mean? What big, big flipping deal. That's the part that kills me at 844-404-1067 is how low this is going to. Do you really want a military made up of people who can't take having a lapel pin stuck in their chest? I am the biggest wussy, ask my wife, and I could take having a lapel pin stuck in my chest. I wouldn't like it. It would hurt. But so what? So it hurts. And then you go on. And then that's life. Oh, no, my God. I might be upset, and it might give me an owie. I can't be an airborne ranger with an owie. (sighs) Good grief. James is on News Radio 1067. Go ahead, James. Hey, man, this is your resident uh, unentitled contractor I talked to you last week. <laughs> Great. Uh, the demoralization of the American youth male is ridiculous. Yep. Now you've got the Boy Scout slash Girl Scout. When I was in Scouts growing up in the 60s and the 70s, we had initiations. I mean, you were held down. If you, I don't know if you ever had a, what they call a cherry belly. Where What's basically that? you were held down and, and pulled your shirt up, and everybody come by and slap you on yes, the stomach. Yes, and yes, yes. And by the time you were done, your, your stomach was blood red. Mm-hmm. It was part of the initiation. We we took, we took a bowl of uh, spaghetti and blindfolded 11-year-olds when they came into the scouts. Made them think mm-hmm. they were eating worms. We had this one kid. He would not do it to save his life. His dad was there on the camp out. And we actually, he would refuse. He ran away. Right. We caught him. Bunny and Boston, I actually made him eat a mouthful of red wigglers we had for fishing oh. because he refused to eat the spaghetti. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like this. I've got, I've got daughters in the military. I mean, they, they're so, so many Caitlin's out there now. Yep. And they, they found their husbands in the military because they wanted to find real men as their husbands. James, so we and we got them. We got to keep the men that you have, and we have to keep that. We have to keep those guys where we can find those guys. We need those guys in the military and elsewhere. Hey, I got an idea because so many people were reluctant to share their hazing stories. We uh, Yesterday, we unveiled the confession hotline here on the Michael Graham Show and had a great time with that. I think we're going to do a confession hotline for your hazing stories. And the uh, winner will get a four-pack of tickets to see the Braves versus the Red Sox a week from today at the TED. More on that coming up. Stay tuned. First, so let's check traffic with Greg Talmadge and the Havilland Express Food Traffic. Greg, Greg, yes. why are you strapped to the chair? Well, you know, What's that person with the cattle prod doing in there? Are you trying to join the traffic broadcasters uh, 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 thing again? I am. And I, you know, I, the love frat. It all. I love it all. Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at noon on News Radio 1067. It's 950. I am Michael Graham. So here is how the confession hotline works. You call 404-436-2007 and leave your confession of a hazing experience that you've never told anyone about or maybe you were the hazer or the hazy. 404-436-2007. And then uh, around 1145, we will play the best calls. And one of the calls will win the tickets to see the Braves versus the Red Sox a week from today. Uh, no names will go out of the air. All we ask is that you leave us an email address. Don't use your name. Just give us an email address. The call 404-436-2007. Anytime before 1115-ish or so this morning for your chance to win and confess. Or maybe you want to confess somebody else. You know, I know if you noticed on the confession hotline yesterday, some of the celebrities <clears throat> who called in. I'm not sure those were the actual celebrities. So maybe you have a Caitlyn Jenner's hazing story you want to share or a Lin- uh, Lindsey Graham. You heard what Lindsey Graham said. 
right, about how the uh, how he's going to work the first lady if Lindsey Graham is uh, elected uh, president uh, and he's in the White House. Of course, he's a single guy. Uh, so you know what he said, right? This is interesting. If he's elected president, if he's elected president, the unmarried Senator Lindsey Graham said, quote, we'll have a rotating first lady. Yeah. Yeah, that's what he said. When asked for comment, Bill Clinton said, been there, done that. I don't want the phrase Bill Clinton and rotating lady anywhere around me if I can possibly avoid it. But maybe you got you were hazed by Lindsey Graham and you want to confess it. The confession hotline, 404-436-2007. Uh, so we're talking about lowering the standards for athletes uh, here at local high schools where you've got premium athletes who are now being told, you're in trouble. You wrestled the freshmen. You wrestled them to the ground. You made them feel uncomfortable. Well, it's not just physical. Uh, uh, it's not just the standards for physical behavior that are being lowered. It's not, we're not just wimping people out physically, also mentally. Failure was not an option at one South Atlanta high school, literally. Principal Charlotte Davis told teachers it couldn't happen. She changed more than 100 student grades at her Atlanta Public Schools high school from failing to passing in the 2013-14 school year. 100 student grades. A total, under her instruction, of 610 grade change forms were processed for her small school, which worked out to two per student because she told her teachers you will not be allowed to fail your courses these changes meant the students who had failed courses would not be required to repeat them the students who never passed were able to uh, graduate uh, davis told teachers you're not allowed to fail students instead you have to give students quote who have not completed mastery which is public school talk for can't do the work a grade of P for progress, and then all the P's were changed to passing, and then everybody got to go home. This the high school where this occurred, the South Atlanta School of Law and Social Justice. How many people agree with me that the most disturbing part of the story isn't that hundreds of kids were passed who were failures, but that we have a public school in Atlanta called the School of Law and Social Justice. This is a high school. It's not a law school. It's not a private school. It's not like that dopey Gaia Democracy Academy where they took the kids on the field trip to the porn shop I told you about last week. This is a public school. Once you load kids into the School of Law and Social Justice, you might as well go ahead and hand them the unemployment slip on the way out the door. Any surprise that kids who would be at the School of Social Justice can't read their textbooks and are getting diplomas that have unfamiliar grammar on them. Any surprise at all? This is what happens when you lower the standards. 610 grade change forms in one year for a small school because failure is not an option. And there are people in the government school system who honestly believe that it's wrong to fail any student. It's wrong to haze any student because that's adversity. And it's wrong to fail any student because that's adversity. As a result, the White House is celebrating the fact that the United States has hit the highest graduation rate ever. 81% of high school students graduate. Yay! Uh, the rest of the story. Now, the rest of the story. Many of those students uh, were able to <clears throat> graduate because they were put in programs designed to help students who had lacked their mastery 
graduate anyway. It's called uh, credit repair, credit restoration. I think that's the phrase. And so what happens is you go sit in a room with a website and you log on to the website and you take parts of the class um, again, but you don't really take the classes again. And uh, credit recovery, that's it, yeah. And so because you sat in a room without a teacher, with an intern on an Internet site, you were passed through. Anyway, this is happening in high school right now. Uh, or try this. In New Jersey, if you fail the first round high school exit exam, there's a second round that you can take. And if you fail the second round, and about 1,500 kids did, then you're not supposed to graduate, except what happens is you're allowed to appeal the results. So you take the regular exam, hi, I want to be a high school graduate. You fail. So then you take a second exam, which is an easier one. It's Listen to this. It's untimed, and it consists of just one question per subject. One math question, one science question, one reading question. It's untimed, so you have all day to do it. In Camden, New Jersey, half of the senior class failed the second test, the untimed dumbed-down test. So were they all kicked, stopped from graduating? Oh, no. They were allowed to appeal. So out of 1,500 students, 1,400 graduated anyway. So their graduation rate was 90-something percent because they just graduated you anyway. This isn't happening behind our backs. This isn't like you know some secret conspiracy to destroy America. We are letting government bureaucrats school administrators and incompetent teachers and their unions destroy these kids for us. So you can't answer, seriously, you can't answer one math question. One. Nope. Where's my diploma? And they give it, we give it to you anyway. 844-404-1067. So much talk, so little time. I am Michael Graham. Ten oh six and News Radio one oh six seven. I am Michael Graham, your host, MC, star of the show. So glad that you are here. Don't forget your chance to win free lunch comes up every day around eleven forty five. Today, the lunch line sponsored by Pier two thirteen in Marietta. It's one of our ways to say thank you. Also, it is uh, in, uh, a week from this Sunday is Father's Day. So next week, we're going to start giving away the prizes in our Stuff My Dad Says giveaway. And I love this competition. I really do because everybody's dad had that one phrase. My dad used to use the phrase that I, I'll be honest, I didn't understand it for years. I had to kind of go back and ask when he used to say that this, that people who were stingy were as tight as Dick's hat band. And I'm like, what the, what the, see, my mom is from LA where I was actually born. My dad's from Myrtle beach, you know, South Carolina where I grew up. So I'm bi-coastal. Except you can't tell people in South Carolina that you're bi-coastal because they think that means you date guys on the beach. Um, but finally, to go to someone, what does he mean tight as Dick's hat band? I mean, it was my dad's. Finally, it means apparently there's a gentleman named Richard and he had a hat that was too small and tight means cheap. I, it's dad talk. And so your favorite dad phrases from your dad, stuff my dad says, just go to the contest page at Newsready 1067 and enter it. 
And then we're going to have five winners, five copies of the book, Dadly Virtues, which gets you off the hook for Father's Day right there. And then the big prize, whoever has the best of the best, gets all the other cool stuff, including 1880 Spa and Salon for men. I was there yesterday getting quaffed, looking good. Reality show just taped there, like on Monday. What is the deal with Atlanta and reality shows? The AJC has a piece today about how Atlanta just owns... We are, seriously, we're at Reality Show Central because you got the Hot Wives or whatever the heck they are of Atlanta. And, you know, they were going to do the Baby Daddy guy was going to have his show. They just got killed, Jay Williams, 34 kids, 17 baby mamas, no rings. Uh, And my wife watches this show called Married at First Sight. Familiar with it? The premise is that these people agree to let... Professional psychiatrists, therapists, biologists, financial advisors, sex advisors, pick your spouse for you. And so the way it works at Casa del Gramo is 9 o'clock-ish, I'm working on the show. So I've got my laptop out, and I'm reading stories and looking for stuff. And my wife is watching reality TV every night. She watches some reality. The only show, I take it back, the midget show creeps me out a little bit just because sometimes they do weird things. Anyway, other than that, the only show that's ever I've had a problem with is this show. I can sit through Dance Moms and work and listen to the fat chick scream and whatever, and it's fine. And I can the the yes to the dress stuff, whatever. Okay, great. But when this married uh, uh, married at first sight show comes on, it creeps me out because I, I how could you agree to do this? How could who in their right mind is going to say I will marry a total stranger? Well. Monday at 18-8 Spa in Salon, Brookhaven, one of the guys who's getting married, what was it, Monday? Anyway, in the last few days, one of the guys who's, who's in the show, he's getting married here in Georgia. In fact, I think they got married. And he was there the day before to get groomed for the wedding. So, you know, the cameras are all there and they're filming everybody. And 1880 is just great anyway. They do all the man stuff. They have the, if you want to shave kind of thing, and they do the massage and they have a beer waiting for you when you get there. It's, it's great. Um, but they... So he's shaving the guy up for his big wedding day. And I'm, I'm, I'm asking Alicia, I'm like, did anyone say to this guy, are you nuts? And you know, he seemed really happy at his best man there. You're marrying a total stranger. And so we're talking about, you know, it is, you're getting, they're getting your hair done and stuff. And I start thinking about it. I start thinking about all of the people I know including me, who have had drastically awful weddings that, like my friend, I'm thinking of a couple of friends. All of us knew, this is the stupid, what are you marrying? You could see the disaster. I mean, it was, you know, he was nitro, she was glycerin, they were getting together, it was just going to blow up, and you knew it, and it, it happened, and sure enough, and afterwards, you say to your friends, what my friend said to me after my disaster, where I was madly in love with this woman, and whatever, and, you know, stuff happened and it wasn't good. They're like, you idiot. We knew that. Like, oh, now you tell me? now. So after it's over, after all the pain and awfulness of divorce, which divorce sucks horribly awful. Now you tell me that you, yeah, I knew the whole time. Huh? So I think about the people that I know who have got married and who everybody knew it was a disaster. About conversations where you're sitting in the kitchen the night before the wedding 
and the bride or groom is upstairs asleep, and the mom or dad and sister or best friend are in the kitchen going, do we say something to him? Do we go to her and tell her no? And it makes me wonder. I got to tell you, I think I could do a better job of picking my friend's spouses than they could. I think, in fact, I've told my kids, uh, let me do it. Just let me handle it. I will find you someone that you will actually be happy with. Over, I promise you I can do a better job because we clearly can't handle these decisions ourselves. I'm now starting to see why. I know a soccer boy comes from one of those third world countries where they do arranged marriages and stuff, and his partner's waiting for him. What's his name? Uh, and uh, so, th- and I'm, you know, I used to mock that. And now I'm starting to say, I mean, seriously, think about, do you think you could do a better job of picking your friends, your kids, spouses better than they could? I, I'm starting to wonder. And uh, I don't know what happened in this, this first season of this show, but uh, I'll get my wife to tell me and I'll let you know in a couple of days. Because I think one of the wedding marriages actually took, I think it worked. One out of there's they do three of them. I think one of them took. Anyway, eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven. When we come back, has anybody had a better week in politics than Marco Rubio? We'll talk about why the New York Times attacks on him were terrific with Mark Warner, Michael Warner from the Weekly Standard. Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at noon on News Radio one zero six seven. Michael Graham, don't forget the Confession Hotline open and waiting for your calls at 404-436-2007. Confess your, or some celebrities, hazing story, and you can win tickets to see the Braves versus the Red Sox one week from today. This week has been an amazing week for Marco Rubio, and here to discuss it is Michael Warren with the Weekly Standard. Michael, it looks like the New York Times has picked their GOP frontrunner, and it's Florida's Marco Rubio. Yeah, you uh, you would guess that based on the number of stories they've written about him, uh, exposés of Marco Rubio's uh, shady past. He's got all these parking and traffic violation tickets, and uh, he, he's made some some bad investments uh, and struggled uh, uh, to to pay for three mortgages and these sorts of things. And uh, all of that attention tells me he's. He's obviously the front runner uh, for now, and this is Rubio's moment. And I think that's actually reflected a bit in the polls, and uh, we'll just have to see if that lasts. Uh, but for now, uh, if the New York Times says it, it's I guess it must be true. And you know, you could argue that this he's you know th- this attention he's gotten, which I'm sure he's not enjoying, is actually incredibly flattering, and also a uh, a fairly objective analysis of his strength as a candidate, because no one thinks that anyone went to J school so they could wake up one day and write a story about Marco Rubio's wife's traffic tickets or Senator Rubio's powerboat. Yeah, well, you know, there's people have different dreams, and I can't say what one journalist uh, might uh, have a dream they'd be doing one day. Um, yeah, I mean, this is the Washington Free Beacon did, did a lot of great work uh, sort of exposing uh, on that traffic ticket story the, the likely source of that story, which was the liberal oppo uh, opposition Research Group, American Bridge. Um, and, and, you know, I, I look, we all journalists sort of deal with this question of where is the, the source of this information. I kind of take the, the, the view that, you know, information is information, really, no matter where you get it. Uh, but it is curious uh, the, why the uh, the Times is so focused on Rubio right now. I think there's there's one suggestion that he's, uh, he's clearly the, the one who's the most threatening to, to Democrats, uh, at least as they see it right now. But think about where we were just a few months ago. Jeb Bush 
was the guy who was getting stories up there, you know, uh, in, in the New York Times and the Washington Post, talking about uh, his wife's uh, jewelry and, and these sorts of things. Now it's Rubio's turn. He's sort of getting uh, this, this vetting through opposition. And, uh, you know, if traffic tickets and, uh, you know, paying $80,000 for a, for a boat, uh, uh, for a fishing boat, essentially a family fishing boat, not a luxurious uh, boat as the New York Times described it, but a fishing boat. Uh, if that's what they have, you know, that's uh, we have to be feeling uh, pretty good uh, right now. But, you know, again, three months ago it was Jeb. Now it's Rubio. In three months, uh, the New York Times may be trying to uh, uh, to, to tear down the uh, Republican presidential candidate of candidacy of somebody else. Uh, so the good news for Marco Rubio is that he's perceived as so dangerous that the media need to go after him. But I think there's something else here, which is I, I find the, uh, the story about his money, Senator Rubio managing his money, a completely legitimate story. Unlike the traffic ticket story, which is totally bogus. You know, the headline, I loved how they conflated it, 17 tickets between um, – uh, Marco Rubio and Mrs. Rubio. Well, yeah, I mean, technically, I guess, but 13 of them were hers. He only has four over 16 years. I, th- I saw on Twitter someone saying uh, uh, Marco Rubio and uh, Dwight Eisenhower successfully invade <laughs> D-Day between the, you know, could they D-Day invasion between them, which is true, I guess. I hadn't thought about it that way. Uh, Marco Rubio and um, uh, Tom Brady between them, you know, four Super Bowl rings, whatever. But, um, the story about the fact that he chose to go in debt at a time when you could argue it was fine so risky, the story about how the decisions he had to make to pay his bills, I don't find them determinant about how to cast a vote, but I, I think that's a legitimate – if you're running for, for president and you want to deal with the federal fisc, I, think, I don't think that that story was actually out of line at all. I totally agree with you. I think it's, it's good information to know, you know what kind of uh, person really is he. And, and, and financial decisions really tell you a lot about a person, someone who's standing up there saying, select me you know, to be the leader of the, of the free world, the leader of the federal government, uh, the person who's going to be signing off all these budgets. Uh, we'd like to know, you know how he's spending his money. Uh, uh, on a personal level, you hear this a lot from particularly Republicans, you know, who say, you know, if we, you know, if, if your average family can balance a checkbook, we ought to be able to balance the uh, the federal government. Uh, so I think if this if this uh, narrative takes hold that Rubio was was uh, was bad with money, you know, that could be a problem in a Republican primary. You know, on the other hand, you look at uh, sort of his age, uh, where he was, you know, uh, 28 years old. Uh, there was the housing boom. Uh, not, very few people sort of uh, uh, figured. And, and Florida, of course, was one, one of the uh, epicenters of the housing boom and bust. Uh, he seems in many ways to be uh, a victim of that and a victim of maybe a little bit uh, of a more meteoric rise than, uh, than he and his finances could keep up with. Uh, it's an interesting story. It's also a, a start story in contrast. Uh, to uh, the Clintons, of course, who have used politics to enrich themselves for their entire careers. Uh, Rubio certainly hasn't uh, been able to uh, enrich himself, at least not yet, uh, from uh, from this career. Uh, but uh, look, I totally agree. It's a legitimate story. We ought to be uh, interested in what all these candidates uh, uh, have to do. You know, Carly Fiorina put up every single one of her uh, uh, her financial disclosure. Uh, uh, forms and things like that for anybody to see. And so, you know, I, I'm all for more disclosure, more finding out information, not not less. Does the, the White House POTUS national media get what a joke these stories are? And 
are they ashamed at all or are they so dedicated to the prospect of helping Hillary Clinton win that they just don't care that they in essence they've kind of absorbed the notion that everyone knows they're not in the journalism business that they're in the partisan you know Pravda business and they've made their peace with that I tend to think that a lot of this because really what you're asking about is is bias in journalism and I think a lot of the the root of bias in journalism uh, has less to do with sort of a, a partisan uh, take, although that is certainly the, the case in certain among um, certain journalists who really did, you know, used to work for Democratic can- candidates or their spouses do that sort of thing. That's a that's a, a legitimate problem. But a lot of it has to do with sort of ignorance of not just conservatives and Republicans, but just a lot of things that aren't a part of their experience. You know, going from uh, wherever they are to to you know Ivy League college, Columbia School of Journalism. Uh, take the traffic ticket story. You know, if uh, I, I've I think my boss, Bill Crystal, made this point. If you're uh, a, a person who's never left New York City or haven't, haven't driven out of New York City, uh, then that sounds like a lot of traffic tickets to have, 17 among two people. But, of course, if you've, if you've ever lived outside there, you know that that actually uh, seems to be about one a year for, for uh, several years in a row. So that doesn't seem that egregious. I, I think that the biggest problem here is that people don't always – uh, uh, journalists don't always realize what it is that they've stumbled across. That it, you know, it's, it's sometimes they miss it and they think, oh, this is not a big deal. When in fact it is a big deal. Or they they get the reverse wrong and they they trump up something like uh, an eighty thousand dollar you know luxury boat. And you turn out it turns out you look at the, the photo of it, it's sort of a run of the mill. Uh, very expensive, but you know, run of the middle fishing boat that uh, that a lot of people in Florida probably buy. Uh, so I think it's it's really a problem of ignorance and 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 maybe uh, to to use a phrase that was popular uh, among the intellectual folks about five or six years ago, epistemic closure. People who are sort of closed off in the bubble. So you know, go ahead and look that up in the, in your dictionary. Uh, I'm going to look it up too. Well, I, I don't need to look it up. I've solved the problem for this. I'm going to send these reporters a photo of Marco Rubio's boat next to John Kerry's yacht, the one that he harbored in Rhode Island so that he could avoid paying his Massachusetts taxes while he was a senator from Massachusetts. So we'll send But, but Michael, Michael, he had all the right opinions. So, uh, you know, some things get forgiven uh, and, and others don't. Uh, Michael Warren with the Weekly Standard. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Michael. Eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven. So, how about it? The attacks on Marco Rubio? Do they make you think less of him or more of him? Do they make him a less or more attractive candidate? You tell me. I am Michael Graham. All the girlies say I'm pretty fly for a white guy. Good morning, it's ten thirty six. I am Michael Graham, your host, MC star of the show. Don't forget the confession hotline is wide open, waiting for you at four zero four four three six. 2007 to confess your hazing stories, your personal confessions, uh, 404-436-2007. The best one will uh, win uh, four pro- a package of four tickets to see the Braves versus the Red Sox one week from today. So jump on the phone at 404-436-2007. So you just heard me talking to Michael Warren at the Weekly Standard about the attacks on Marco Rubio. What do we know about Marco Rubio? He got four tickets over 17 years. Is anyone le- less likely to vote for him because of that? I can't imagine it at 844-404-1067. We've also learned that he uh, uh, lived from paycheck to paycheck. He's only 44 years old now. 15 years ago, 10 years ago, he's living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, he had student loan debt from law school he's trying to pay off. Uh, at one point, he and his wife had to sell one of their cars 
and he had to move in with his mother-in-law temporarily for financial reasons. In other words, Marco Rubio's had to make the kinds of decisions that millions of other Americans have made. Are you less likely to vote for him because of that? 844-404-1067. I think that these two attacks from the New York Times do zero, literally zero damage to Senator Rubio's campaign. Nobody's going to say, oh, my gosh, you know, he uh, uh, invested in a house during, you know, right before the bubble burst and he ended up losing $16,000 on it with a partner. <laughs> in an America where millions of people had to foreclose on their houses because of the housing bubble, I, no, I, I can't imagine the voter who's just said, well, I was with Rubio until I found that out. So that's the alleged downside side, which I would argue is no downside at all. But then there's the upside. It is so natural for human beings when they see someone on their team being attacked by the bad guys to jump up and rally around their guy. The New York Times is openly an enemy of conservatives and Republicans. I mean, when they run the Dan Rather uh, when they defend the Dan Rather bogus story about George W. Bush's Air National Guard time, a story that was based on a false, do- a forged document, and the New York Times actually defends it as, quote, fake but accurate. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It's fake but accurate. It's like, oh, it's a delightful wine, flaccid yet playful. What is that? Fake but accurate. So the New York Times hates conservatives. They openly admit they hate conservatives. They will do anything, including run false stories to stop conservatives. And they come running after Marco Rubio. What does that make conservatives do? It makes it even conservatives who don't like him that much want to rally around him because that's what, you know, it's like if you have, a, you know, uh, uh, the Braves. Let's say that there's a guy when Melvin was still playing with the Braves. If he if somebody that the Braves hated, if the Nat Nationals had gone after him, started smearing him, that would just make Braves fans rally around him. Well, it's the same thing in politics. Uh, there are a lot of conservatives who don't like the fact that Marco Rubio tried to cut an amnesty deal on immigration. That he was part of that gang of eight thing. It's easy for them to forget that when the New York Times is coming at him. So all the New York Times has done, as Michael Warren pointed out, is they've elevated Marco Rubio as a front-runner because they're going after him, and they're helping Republicans or, or conservatives overlook things they disagree with because they're coming after him. This is a huge, huge week for Senator Marco Rubio. He's winning, winning, winning across the board. I haven't heard from a single person in my Twitter feed, emails, you know, all the stuff I read, where someone has gone, you know, now that I know Marco Rubio bought a fishing boat... When he got a book advance, I can't vote for him anymore. Really? You know, Marco Rubio, and, and if the New York Times story is amazing because it's full of quotes about financial advisors say that Rubio made a mistake. They would advise against that. Yes, okay, yeah. So financial experts don't like the decisions he made. So what? It is, it's his money. He did what he wanted to do. And, oh, my gosh, I don't know if you've seen a photo of the boat yet, but the New York Times tried to spin it as a luxury speedboat and then you see this boat and it's just one of the typical fishing boats that you've seen a thousand of if you've ever been to florida and you're like what this is the attack you're mad at the guy for getting a fishing boat so he and his family can go fishing well he shouldn't have spent his money on that excuse me defenders of obamacare 
and the billions of dollars that it's screwing Americans out of while driving our health care costs and our premiums up are going to complain because of how he spent his... You shouldn't have spent $80,000 on a boat. Dude, you shouldn't have spent $800 million on Obamacare. You shouldn't have spent millions of dollars on a website that doesn't work. So I think this is a 100% win for Marco Rubio. I think he's in stronger shape than he's ever been because of the nature of human beings to rally around one of their own when the bad guys attack. And I think uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Joe, uh, uh, what's it, what, Joe Scarborough on Morning Joe abs- is absolutely right. It's a 240-foot <laughs> It is. Yacht. I think I saw that boat on Entourage. Oh, wait a second. It's a 24-foot fishing boat. No fisherman in America Anywhere. would call that a, quote, luxury. No. That's what you get right. to load your family up Correct. and go out fishing and if you live in a beers. place like Miami. <laughs> and he does live in Miami, North Miami. That's where he was a representative from. Now he's a U.S. senator from there. 844-404-1067. I'm Michael Graham. Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at Noon on News Radio 1067. Good morning, it's 1049. Oh, yeah. Michael Graham, your host, MC, star of the show. One hour from now, someone will win free lunch in the lunch line. Courtesy of Pier 213 Seafoods. We were talking about how the attacks on Marco Rubio from the New York Times, he's got a luxury speedboat. Well, it's a fishing boat. He and his wife have had 17 tickets. Well, actually, he's had four tickets. That's just four of them. Now, how these attacks haven't hurt him, how they made him a front runner. And, I, and my point is that people tend to rally around in times of trouble. And I think that's one of the reasons why so many people who know better have been defending police officers when they've engaged in indefensible behavior is because it's normal human reaction for some of us to want to rally around the cops. We know cops have a tough job. We know cops try to keep us safe. We've had cops help us out. And so we want to help cops in general. But the fact is some cops get it wrong and you don't have to take my word for it. Here is McKinney police chief, Greg Conley talking about uh, the uh, officer who threw the uh, teenage girl down on the ground at the pool. Eric Casebold has resigned from the McKinney Police Department. As the chief of police, I want to say to our community that the actions of Casebold, as seen on the video of the disturbance at the community pool, are indefensible. Uh, That's the chief of police. That's not a protester or whatever. Chief of police, a law enforcement officer saying that what Officer Casebolt did was, as I told you on the show, indefensible. And yet many of you continue to defend him, even after the police chief has said it's indefensible. And not only does the, does the police chief think that what this out-of-control rage maniac did was indefensible, how about the other cops who are on the scene? He came into the call out of control, and as the video shows, was out of control during the incident. I had 12 officers on the scene, and 11 of them performed according to their training they did an excellent job and so if the police chief says it's indefensible and if the 11 other officers there didn't do what he did because they're trained better than that and if the two officers closest to him grabbed him when he pulled his gun on a couple of unarmed unarmed loudmouth punks 
doesn't that tell you that maybe, just maybe, in this case, the police officer is wrong? So why is my Twitter feed, why is my email, why is my Facebook full of people who are still defending the cop? Look, I get it. Just like Democrats tend to rally around Democrats when they get in trouble and find some way to excuse Bill Clinton or Hillary. Just like Republicans rally around Republicans when they get in trouble and try to find some excuse to excuse whoever. This is human nature. But the fact is that in this case, just like in the Charleston, South Carolina case, just like in the local cop who just pled guilty to bribery case, just like in the DeKalb County cop who gunned down the unarmed, naked uh, Air Force veteran case, just like in the Smyrna uh, cops in the wrong jurisdiction killing a guy over a marijuana bond case. In these cases, the cops just happen to be wrong. Do and, and what's, It's not me who's saying this. It's the cops who are saying this. I'm, I, I'm really befuddled. I got... People yelling at me this morning for, uh, uh, you know, pointing out that the officer in McKinney, Texas, was out of line. After the other cops outed him, and my answer was, so are you calling the police chief a liar? I'm with the police. I'm with the 11 police who didn't pull a gun on anybody and the police chief who is glad to see this officer, this out-of-control rage monkey officer gone. I'm with the cops. You're not. So why is it? Why do you keep going back? And I, and I think I know why. It's, it's the Marco Rubio story again. It's the enemy of my enemy. Some people, anytime they see black teenagers, immediately say everyone else must be right. I don't, I, I don't care what you're doing. Do what you got to do. And, and that's a shame and that's terrible. And that's one of the reasons why the Republican brand is so in bad shape is because there's so many people who are willing to defend anything that anyone does to a black teenager. But there's a more legitimate reason, and that is when you see the people who are protesting as a, I think, fairly somewhat typical American, I don't want to be on their side. For those of you in the black community who want to see us, black and white, come together with some reasonable police reforms, it's not going to happen as long as you send out people like Reverend Ronald Wright to present, represent your cause. We're setting the stage for a terrorist attack in this country. And the group is not going to be ISIS. It's going to be us. It's us against these injustice law officers and people who continue to allow racism. It's not going to be ISIS. It's going to be us. So your response to a police officer who did his job the wrong way, which he did. A police officer who's now off the force because his boss even said he did the wrong. Your response is, hey, you better do what we want, white America, or you're going to have terrorist attacks like ISIS. I mean, isn't that what he's saying? Play, play the audio again, uh, uh, soccer boy. I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. This is Reverend Ronald Wright, a black minister in McKinney, protesting the behavior of the cop at the pool. We're setting the stage for a terrorist attack in this country, and the group is not going to be ISIS. It's going to be us's. Isn't he, I mean, am I missing this? Isn't this basically just a straight up threat? I mean, I don't, you know, a little unsolicited marketing advice. Anytime you associate yourself with ISIS, you're probably <laughs> helping your cause. If, you, if the ISIS brand is the one you're trying to, I don't know. Uh, 
Uh, It's not going to be ISIS. It's going to be us's. Dude, you're a doofus. You're a doofus and a goofus, Mr. Usus, because Mises is never going to stand with Usus while you're trying to do something. And this is what, when um, when uh, uh, people of color in Atlanta get upset because they hear lots of conservatives not siding with the victims of police bad behavior or defending the police no matter what, you got to understand that part of the motive is not the police at all. It's knowing that if you are calling for reform, you might look around at who's standing on the podium with you and see this moron threatening terror attacks from black Americans, the us's of ISIS. You know, you can't blame normal Americans for not wanting to be on the same side as Al Sharpton. You can't blame typical hardworking Americans for not wanting to be on the same side as Jesse Jackson. You don't have to be a racist to know that those people are bad people. You don't have to have a racist be racist to know that Reverend Ronald Wright or Reverend Jeremiah Wright are people you don't want to hang out with. So why is it that even after the police have said that the uh, McKinney cop was out of line, even after he quit his job, why is it that so many people are defending him? Do you think you know why? 844-404-1067. I'm Michael Graham. officers on the scene and 11 of them performed according to their training they did an excellent job we're setting the stage for a terrorist attack in this country and the group is not going to be isis it's going to be us i really appreciate the trooper showing some restraint and he's a really true hero i'm glad he didn't kill him Six members of the Parkview High School baseball team are being investigated on hazing allegations. It stems from what happened while the team was in Charleston last weekend for a tournament. This is the Michael Graham Show on News Radio 1067. If he's elected president, unmarried Senator Lindsey Graham said, quote, we'll have a rotating first lady. When asked for comment, Bill Clinton said, been there, done that. <laughs> Good morning, it's 11.07 at News Radio 106.7. I am Michael Graham, your host, MC, star of the show, renowned spoiler of women, known enemy of the jihad, the geekiest white guy east of the Mississippi River, and a guy who was hazed regularly, and yet I never played on a sports team or joined a club. I was just hate, just, I was randomly, guys walking down the hall. And that is one of the questions today at 844-404-1067. Championship baseball team here in uh, Georgia. The state champs currently, Parkview High, one of the best teams in the country, and the players are in trouble because the upperclassmen were wrestling the freshmen. I Not only do I think the kids shouldn't be in trouble, I support hazing. I think we need more hazing. And I think if we had more hazing, we would have less of what happened in McKinney, Texas. And I, I, I want to give you a chance to chat about that on the air at 844-404-1067. I'm with the cops. I'm with the cops on the McKinney story. I absolutely agree with uh, the police chief. Eric Casebold has resigned from the McKinney Police Department. As the chief of police, I want to say to our community that the actions of Casebold, as seen on the video of the disturbance at the community pool, 
are indefensible. Indefensible. Uh, Chief uh, Conley, you are correct. I'm with Police Chief Conley. I'm also with the 11 other officers who showed up at the uh, pool rampage. He came into the call out of control. And as the video shows, was out of control during the incident. I had 12 officers on the scene, and 11 of them performed according to their training. They did an excellent job. So I'm with the 11 cops who showed up and didn't pull their gun, who just showed up and didn't throw anyone to the ground. I'm with the police chief who called it indefensible. I don't know who you cop haters are who are insulting the chief and these 11 other cops by defending uh, the rage monkey who was out there acting indefensibly. I'm with the police at 844-404-1067. I don't know about you, but no, it's, obviously I'm being sarcastic and a bit of an as we pay, but <laughs> my, you know, look, you know my position on this, which is where citizens come first, the police work for us, and this police officer was not doing his job on behalf of the, uh, the citizens, obviously, and the police agree with me. Uh, even if they didn't, I wouldn't change my position. But that's so that's why I want you to talk. This is a conversation. You're welcome. I, you don't agree. I, I want to hear from you. But what the point I was trying to make at the end of the last hour is I can't figure I'm still getting people defending the cop. No one else. The cop quit. He knows he screwed up. The other cops. No, he screwed up. The chief knows he screwed up. Why are you still defending him? Did you know I still hear from people who defend the cop in Charleston who shot the guy in the back? They still say he did the If you run from a cop, you deserve to be shot. Now, in addition to the fact that you sound like a nut when you say that, it's not just nuts that makes people say that. It's not just racism, although there is some, no doubt about it. There's some, definitely some racism. You've heard it here, I'm sorry to say, on this station from people who, you know, the cop, you know, if you're a black guy and you run from the cops, the the word, as one person uh, tweeted out, the only mistake he made is he left some bullets in the barrel. Well, look, if you're just one of those racists, you're just a racist and that's you and that's on you and you can go have your you know despicable intellectually limited life wherever you want. But there are decent people who are trying to do the right thing who find themselves, no matter what the cop does, always siding with the cop. And it's not because you're a racist. It's not because you're a hater. It's not because you want to live in a police state where the police can shoot anyone they want. Down inside, you, f- you do feel a disturbance. Why then do you stand with the cops who are described as indefensible or as happened in DeKalb County? They killed an unarmed, naked veteran who just needed help. He was unarmed and naked. He had no place to hide a gun, literally. And it's because of team play. It's because you don't want to be on the wrong team. And this this goes back to the hazing thing. This is human nature. It goes back to the Marco Rubio story. This has helped Rubio so much. The, I bet he's sending a thank you note to the dear letters to the editor. Thank you. Please attack me over my boat again. Because he knows it'll rally the team. The New York Times is so corrupt, you don't want to be on their team. And so when they attack someone, you jump over and go, well, I must. I don't want to be with them. And the same thing, and, and for, those, for my listeners who happen to be black, please listen to this, because this is on you. If you want good faith, goodwill talk about police killing and, and citizens, you're not going to get it with throwing bricks through windows. You're not going to get it through burning down CVSs, and you're not going to get it when you send people like Reverend Ronald Wright of McKinney, Texas, out to represent your side. We're setting the stage for a terrorist attack in this country. And the group is not going to be ISIS. It's going to be us. It's us against these injustice law officers and people who continue to allow racism. 
as long as you're threatening terrorist attacks, if you don't get your way, you're not going to get any widespread support in America. As long as you're promising to be the ISIS of America, you pretty much lost. I, I don't know how it gets. What What is next? Uh, uh, you can go with this if you want, but we're going Goebbels if you do this again. We're going to be the Auschwitz of American political protests. Those are all bad brands. You don't want to be associated with You don't want to be the, we're the Al in the street and the Al in the Kata. That's If that's your slogan, black America, you're going to lose everybody. No one wants to be Al-Qaeda. No one wants to be ISIS. No one wants to be Hitler. And um, Al Shar- as long as you turn to Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and people like this to to be your spokespeople, you, you just lost. As long as I have been to multiple Black Lives Matter rallies because I believe we do need police reform. Every rally I've been to, someone has stood up and called the cops pigs. I'm sorry. You lose me. I'm not with you. They're not pigs. In fact, most of them are trying to do the right thing. Every rally I've attended, I've heard suggestions of force against the police. If that's what you're going to do, you're going to lose me. And that's how we're in this weirdo position where the cops are denouncing the McKinney out-of-control guy. But my listeners are still defending him even after the cops have abandoned him. Because all they're saying is, I just can't be on that team. I can't be on the crazy Al Sharpton Reverend, what's his name, ISIS team. And, and so we, we result with team play. The, and the killer is team play. We need more thinking for ourselves and less team play. 844-404-1067. Your phone call is coming straight up. Michael Graham now. And the Kimmer at noon on News Radio 1067. It's 1120. I'm Michael Graham. Don't forget, we're about 25 minutes away from your chance to win free lunch in the lunch line from Pier 213. Also, we're giving away Braves tickets. A week from today, they play the Red Sox, and you can win by jumping in the confession hotline 404 436 2007. 404 436 That's the confession hotline. And leave your confession regarding hazing, whether you've done it, done it to someone else, your experience. And I, I hope. I, Pardon me for those of you who get it. I have to be a little more direct than I would prefer because there are some people from South Georgia listening. Funnier is better. Okay, it, it doesn't have to be a real, real story for you to confess. Okay, it's the Confession Hotline, 404-436-2007. Right now, we're having an honest conversation about yet another incident involving police, involving guns, involving black citizens, uh, and uh, my contention that the reason so many white people are reluctant to condemn cops is because of the people who line up on the other side, like Al Sharpton. You just don't want to be on that person's side. Ken, you're on the air with Michael Graham. Go right ahead. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Graham. Uh, yeah, I, I do agree that the police officer involved should have been uh, fired mm-hmm. uh, because he was totally incompetent. And, you know, I would have even maybe give him a little leeway up to the point where he he pulled his gun. Once he yeah. pulled his weapon, that was it. And that, I mean, and and the whole thing, it just looks like he was out of control. And uh, it seems like he was overwhelmed. So, and, Ken, let me ask you this question then. Why is it that uh, even today, but particularly the last three days, people, uh, the people particularly on the political right, have overwhelmingly defended that specific cop and his specific behavior rather than acknowledging what you just acknowledged why is there such a reluctance to tell the, the the uncomfortable natural truth that sometimes some cops screw up uh well 
Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I'm unable to answer that question. Okay. Well, uh, I, I, I can't I either. <laughs> However, I will say this, if I may. Okay. Um, without the police, we'd have anarchy. Absolutely. And none of us want that. I can guarantee you I'm, I'm actually from Tombstone, Arizona. Oh, okay. And I will tell you that, you know, law and order sometimes may have to go to an extreme. However, you got to have proper training. You've got to be, you got to be professional. Mm-hmm. And that's not the wild, wild west anymore. You're absolutely right. And, Ken, if the cops can't do their job, you have anarchy. But if the police, excuse me, if the citizens, if the citizens don't police the cop, then we have fascism. We have North Korea. We have, you know, Saudi Arabia. And we we don't deserve that either. And the most frustrating argument I have heard, and I've heard it a hundred times, is, Michael, you got to stick with the cops no matter what they do because they just got to do their job. Otherwise, no one will want to be a police officer. Well, if you only want to be a police officer because you want to beat the crap out of black people, I don't want you to be a police officer. We don't have to take the bad to have the good. We don't have to say, Michael, you have to put up with some abuse. Otherwise, no one will want to be a cop. I don't believe that at all. Mickey's on News Radio 1067. Mickey, thanks for the call. Hey, Mike, how you doing? doing I, just want to say I, I just want to say I agree with, um, with, with your, your view. I just want to interject that. Um, I don't think that black people in America or white people in America are an organization. So, like, I, I never got a memo on Al Sharpton coming to speak anywhere. I didn't get that phone call. So we, we don't. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Now, stop, nominate. stop, Nikki. I'm, I'm a white guy, so I thought that there was, like, a black hotline, and you guys all got together and worked. That's not true? If, if there is, I, I didn't get the phone call. They totally, they totally screwed me over. I didn't get the phone call. But, yeah, we um, – I think those people are simply out to uh, further their agenda and they interject themselves into the climate and, and make it worse. And um, I wanted to, if I could chime in sure. on the question you just asked Ken, um, I think that on, on both sides, no matter what your race is, I, I'm black. I grew up black. I've been black for a long time. <laughs> and I can honestly say that there is bigotry within the black community, just like there's bigotry within the white community, Asia, and whatever the case is, and you may not consider yourself a bigot, but there are some things there when you find yourself saying, oh, well, those black kids were wrong. When the, the facts are clear, that, 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 I think that stems from some, uh, some, some deep-seated bigotry. The same on the black side where we say, well, uh, what happened in Ferguson was a crime, and, mm-hmm. that, and that guy, hands up, don't shoot. Even when we know the facts, even when the right. facts have come out. That comes from a deep-seated bigotry. So how do we break that? How do we break that cycle so that – because i got to believe that, uh, Mickey, if you and I and uh, and some more of my listeners, white and black, got together, we could actually come up with some smart changes that would help the police be able to do their job without abusing our rights and still, you know, fight crime when it needs to be fought. Why can't we get into that conversation? Why is it that the people screaming black crime versus, you know, the cops or KKK dominate the conversation? I think because uh, in order to have that conversation, you have to have an honest, you have to take an honest look at yourself and mm-hmm. your perspective on it and and be able to admit where you're wrong or where it's skewed. And I don't think either side, it, 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 to generalize, I don't mm-hmm. think either side is ready to do well, that. We've we got to generalize because that's how life works. You can't have a conversation without yeah. generalizing. Like you were just saying, I mean, you can't speak for all black people. I can't speak for all white people. No cop can speak for all cops, but we got to generalize. And I will generally say this, that uh, the, I think the first step should be by the white community. I think that this logjam is never going to get broken 
as I, I agree with you that black leaders like this guy saying we're going to go ISIS on you, despicable, indefensible. But just because of history and where we are, until there's a until white conservatives step up and say, you know what, you're right, we're willing to admit it. Things are out of balance. There is a police problem. And that doesn't mean we agree with Al Sharpton, but there is a problem. If that happens, then I think you can then turn the pressure on the black community to say, will you skip these loonies who've declared themselves your your leaders and let's have an honest conversation, admit that black crime rates are a problem, and then try to come together and do something about both these things at the same time? But it's never going to happen as long as the knee-jerk position of the talk radio right, of which I'm a part, is defend the cops! Defend the cops! That, nothing's going to happen. 844-404-1067. I'm Michael Graham. This podcast of The Michael Graham Show is brought to you by Matt Hermes. If you have a high-end home and you're looking to sell, call Matt at Keller Williams Realty. Matt Hermes specializes in luxury homes in areas like Hamilton Mill, Sugarloaf, Chateau Elan, and more. For more information, visit atlantahomesguru.com forward slash radio. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.